Hello, I'm Ali and thank you for joining the People Puzzles podcast. Every episode we share stories, examples and our learnings to help you unravel the people puzzles in your business. I started People Puzzles over a decade ago because I really believe that when you have the right people doing the right stuff, your business can really thrive. And most business leaders really appreciate having a trusted people expert to help them get it right. I've worked with over 100 small and mid-sized businesses and at People Puzzles we have over 80 portfolio people directors helping businesses to thrive across the UK. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so exploring walking the shop floor as a leadership and management style and hopefully providing some useful tips on setting your team up to succeed. So here's my opening question. Have you ever walked into a room or into the factory and seen people from your team up to something completely unexplainable? It could be anything from just time wasting and chatting through to disasters about to happen or really just people not doing the right thing and not what you expect them to be doing. So this week, I'm delighted to have Jim Verity with us. Jim is a portfolio people director and he's worked with People Puzzles for quite a few years. So Jim, let's kick off by, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your background? Yes, yeah, hi Ali. So uh, my background, um, yes, yeah, sadly, I think I spent my whole life working in HR. Um, so for 20, 30 years, I've worked in a variety of different sectors, a variety of different sizes of companies, ranging from uh, high-tech engineering companies. I spent a few years working in retail. Um, and then the back end of my corporate life, I worked in companies that predominantly they manufactured cement, operated quarries um, and that kind of thing. So co construction supply. Um, and then in the last seven years, I think now, I work with people puzzles, uh, supporting a variety of SME clients um, or in a variety of sectors, again, ranging from fashion to distribution from manufacturing so a whole range of different things and i think um i would probably say very 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 truthfully the last seven years supporting smes i've thoroughly enjoyed i like the culture in smes you don't get the politics that you're getting in in the bigger corporates and you can you can make things happen you can make an impact a lot quicker so uh, a great a great seven years so I guess with that kind of business background, you've probably worked with people from sort of almost no education through to people who are super qualified. And there's been a huge range of people to deal with. Uh, how's that been? Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. And I guess I've never really thought about it like that before. And I think, um, I think you, I think you learn and I think, Probably the one thing that you learn or that I've learned and taken away from that is, is no matter how qualified people are uh, and whatever their educational background, they know better how to do their job 
than I will ever know. And jobs, and you can look at them from the outside and you can think, oh, yeah, that's fairly simple. But actually, if you talk to them and understand what they do and the nuances of their job, it's more complex and there's more to it than you ever think. And whatever the back, their, people, their background is, they know how to do that job and they probably know how to do it better if you ask them and talk to them about it. Yeah, that's really interesting because actually then as somebody who's trying to influence them or possibly lead or manage them, you don't actually know their whole job. No, and I don't think you ever do. I think it's, it is very easy to look at a job and you see, you see a small part of it and you think, I could do that, that's easy. You never see the full breadth of the job unless you actually do it yourself. And, and only the people who do the job really know how to do that and the, and the, and the difficulties and the challenges and the frustrations they have with the systems and, and other things. So, yeah, that's, that's so true. Well, that really neatly brings me on to my next question, which is why did you get so interested in this concept of walking the shop floor? I think I can, I can point to a very specific example an incident that happened which led to um, a significant culture change in a company that i worked for and it's a it's a health and safety story um so as i, as I said in the introduction Ali, i spent a lot of time working in um uh, with companies that operate quarries and i had not been long with this particular company at the time and there was a very serious accident at the quarry. And unfortunately, it resulted in someone dying. Um, a terrible thing to happen. Uh, and it, it, it changed a lot of things in your life and a lot of things, how you view things. And as a company, um, yeah, we did the, the investigation into the accident. And we, took a, and we made a very clear decision. We could not allow this to happen again. And we looked at what we needed to do to change this, we put a lot of things in place. A big platform of that change was culture change and a change to a much more uh, safety culture, uh, uh, whatever that means. And interestingly, the main change we made around culture was around, it was helping managers and encouraging managers to become more visible on safety. And what we did was that we, we basically made it part of every manager's job, whatever they did, whether they worked in finance, whether they were on the board or whatever, part of their job, they had to go to quarries and they had to walk around the quarries and they had to walk around and talk to the staff and engage with the staff at the quarries. And, and, and it's worth thinking as to why why that? Why do, why do we do that? It's about visible support. It's about visible interest and demonstrable interest in safety. So they would go to the quarries, they would walk around the quarries. Well, I say they, it was we. I, I did it as well. So I would, I would go to the quarries, I would walk around the quarries, uh, and I would talk to staff, and you talk to them about their jobs, about what they do. You talk to them about what their concerns were safety-wise, 
and you would talk to them about how we could change things. How can we improve it? How can we make your life easier? How can we make your life at work safer? And I think the very fact that managers gave up their time and they did this gave a very clear message that we were it was priority, that we cared, and that we were prepared to listen. And, um, and it worked. And over a period of time, the company became uh, the safest company in the sector. And I think that the culture change had the biggest impact. And the biggest impact on the culture change was that visibility and demonstrable care from the managers. And interestingly, the, the term, and this isn't something we, we created ourselves. We, we got this from, um, this came out of the oil sector. And the, the visits that we did were referred to them called, we referred to them as VFL, Visible Felt Leadership. And I think that captures it in three words what it was all about. And it worked. So, you know, it was you know, a tragic event that happened, but it drove a change and a changing culture and this approach to walking the shop floor, which had a massive, massive impact on the business. What's interesting for me about that is that you can sort of think of walking the shop floor as being a bit like CCTV, but time instead of cameras. And actually what you're saying is that's not what it's about at all. It's not about the spying and the walking in and seeing what people are doing. Yeah, that's, 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 that's very true. And I think when, when we started, I think there was the perception from the people on the shop floor that we were spying that we were coming to see what they were doing and trying to, to catch them out. And, you know, and, and there's a skill to it, to, to, to not giving that, that, that impression. And the skill is about you have to very quickly build engagement and trust with the person that you're talking to. And you might not know them. You, you, so you talk to them, you look for cues in terms of, you know, you walk into a, there might be a, uh, a cabin there you walk into it they might have pictures of their children you ask them about the photographs on the wall so you build a rapport and you build some trust and then you start talking about tell me about your job show me what you do um i'm, I'm interested and you ask questions and you're curious and if you if you're curious and you ask people what they do people love talking about their jobs and the complexities of their jobs and and then you can talk about, so tell me about safety. What concerns you about safety? Does anything worry you? And they may say, well, yeah, there's this thing here I've been thinking about for a while. And you, and you listen. And then you talk about that. And then if you go away and you do something and you change something and you help them change it, you start to build that trust. So, you, so eventually we moved away from the perception that you're spying to one of, we're actually there to listen and genuinely listen and we're there to help and we want to make your work safe. So, yeah, so it's very much not about the spying part. And if I think if, they, if, if there is a perception that you are spying, it'll fail. It's about engagement and trust, yeah. And now I can see that working in your quarry or your cement environment. Mm -hmm. How does that? 
learning and those ideas about that felt leadership, which is a really lovely phrase. How does that come into, I don't know, the fashion company that you've talked about, or maybe to a a sort of desk-based organisation? How do we take those learnings and apply them in a different environment? I think the the concept is, um, I think the concept of creating a a relaxed environment where where your your teams will talk to you you can apply in any environment at all um so i have a i I work with another client which is more office based um and we we've done uh engagement surveys there and some of the feedback we had from the surveys was not very it's a bit, it wasn't very complimentary about the senior management team. They were, they were saying they didn't listen, uh, or we didn't listen. Because again, I'm involved in that. Uh, we didn't listen. We there was a culture of telling and not listening. So this this isn't quite walking the shop floor, but it's creating um, an environment where you can create a, a relaxed environment and start listening to feedback. Uh, so again, and this is this is this, this is nothing. This is nothing new. I'm sure lots of people do this, but we started doing um, a breakfast club. Um, so we would have a couple of members of the senior management team, uh, a mix of people from within the business. We'd go and have we'd have breakfast somewhere. Senior management team would serve the breakfast, and over a more relaxed environment, would have a a conversation about what's it like working here. Tell me about your job. What's your job? What are your frustrations? How can we do things better? And in that kind of more relaxed environment, I think people will talk. And if you are there and you feel, and the people feel that you are there to listen and act, you you can learn. You learn what they say, and you can make changes which will um, which will improve things. So it's not quite. The shop floor walk round, um, but it's the same concept. It's the concept of listening. It's the concept of creating that relaxed environment and talking people to us, talking to people as people, and not as you know, not as workers. It's talking as people who who actually enjoy what they do on the whole and tell, and, and want to make things better and want to improve things. And it's so it's the same concept. So. How do you help a business leader who is maybe keen for the feedback, maybe not as keen for the feedback? Why why should they bother? What difference is it going to make to the people at the top? I mean, your example of somebody dying is a real disaster that means you need to take it seriously. But what about a more... I don't know, I guess not a serious crisis, not a serious enough problem, but actually you're coming in as a portfolio people director and trying to sow that seed of why listening to people is is worth doing. I, I think my... One, one, of the, um, one of my core beliefs that I built over my career in, in HR and and doing this kind of role is um, is that everybody, people come to work and they will give you um, 
a certain amount of effort and they will do their jobs and that's the minimum they will do. And if if we are to succeed and if we are to get more out of people, there's that element that I always took, which is their discretionary effort. And that's that extra 20%, that extra 30% that people do, which really adds the value and makes a difference. So how do you, how do we get that? How do leaders get that extra effort from people? And one of the ways I think you can do that, and I'm absolutely convinced it can work, is by, as leaders, as the owners of businesses, being visible, being sh showing that you care, listening to people, and listening to what they say about their life in your company and how that can be better. And if if your teams feel engaged and they feel that you as a leader care about them and that you're going to listen to them, I think they will come to work and they will give you that extra 10 or 20% of their discretionary effort that they hold back and they can give. So I think, you know, it's, um, you know, we can all go to work and we can do, we, we have our jobs and we do our basic job. If you want the basic job plus and that discretionary effort, you, we, we have to work to get that from people. And walking around and being visible, I think, is a way of doing that. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because as a business leader, if you're sitting and watching your team and you do walk in um, and people aren't expecting you and you see things not happening the right way, actually, there can be a real tendency. And I've seen this with loads of business leaders. Their first thought is, I am already paying you to do this job. Like, get on with it. And actually, I could shout at you and maybe I could get the extra 20% effort that way. But the reality is that doesn't work for very long. And certainly fear is not a long-term motivator or losing your job is not going to give you that extra um, power and time and going the extra mile. And so I guess it's one of the things we've learned through the pandemic and through uh, the need for more mental health support for our team, that really holistic way of supporting our employees to try and get that extra 20% of discretionary effort. And we know from looking at Gallup and other surveys that businesses that care holistically for the whole person and people are happy at work do give nearly an extra 20% of effort that leads to more profit and better performance and more business success. But I guess it's the way that people think they can go about doing that, that can shift things. And so that's a really powerful message, isn't it? If you are going out and being visible, that's the first step. Yeah, and you know, and in life, there's not one simple solution for anything. And you know, to get that extra twenty percent, there will be a a range of different things that that we can do to do that. Um, one thing that we can do is what we what we're talking about is being visible, being showing that we care, talk to people, talk about. Talk to them, talk to your teams about their lives, about what's going on in their life, as well as what's going on in, in their work. And, you know, if you see if you see someone doing something wrong or doing something which isn't right, we're not for a moment saying you sh we should ignore it. But we should ask and say, I noticed you were doing that this way. Um, and I was wondering why you were doing it that way when maybe if you did it this way, it would be better and have a conversation about it. Because who knows? They may come back and say, well, I'm doing it this way because it's more efficient. 
for these reasons and, the, and that reason. And it might be something we've never even thought of. But you only find that out if, you ha if we have the conversation and we build that trust. And, for, and, we, and the trust is there for that team member to tell us, yeah, well, it's better this way, actually. So, yeah. So have you got any tips for business leaders about how to get into that headspace of curiosity and listening with their teams? I think I think the first the first tip the first thing is if if you're going to do this is commit the time. There are always um, probably a hundred of other things that can be that we can do uh, which are more pressing. So it's commit the time to, to actually to doing this and going around and talking to people. I think that's the first thing. Then when when we're doing it. You, it's important to build a rapport with someone first and not just go launch straight into tell me about your job, tell me about this. Build that trust. Take away, try and avoid the impression that you're spying, as we talked about earlier, Ali. Um, so build trust. Talk to them about their families. Talk to them about their hobbies. Talk to them about their passions. Ask them about what they've been, what, they, what, what they've been doing, and, and build the trust. And then talk about talk about the job, talk about how they're doing it. How how can things be better in this company? How can we do things differently? But you only get the trust and the honest answer, I think, if that rapport is built first of all. So that's my two main hints and tips. I would say: commit, commit the time, and build trust and build that rapport first. That's great, because I think as a business owner, there's not many things that can move the dial of your profitability by 20%. You've got to sell a lot more stuff, which means a whole investment into sales and marketing. If you want to be more productive, you've got to buy new machines and then train them on everybody. But actually, if you can move the dial on maybe not every single person, but a significant number of your workforce, actually putting in 20% more effort and solving problems and caring about the outcome, that sounds to me like it's really going to be time and therefore money well spent. So it, um, it's great, isn't it, when you can actually make a business more successful, more profitable by things that feel really, in a way, quite soft, but actually have a very um, hard business justification for actually doing it. Yeah. Jim, thank you so much. It's been really brilliant chatting to you and uh, we'd love to hear any other examples or stories from people. So please do send them in. Um, do connect with us on LinkedIn at People Puzzles. Do visit our website, peoplepuzzles.co.uk and uh, do connect with us. We love to hear about what's going on in your business and we also love chatting about any challenges or uh, puzzles that you might want to look at and decipher and work out how to find a way through them. Thanks very much. I'm Ali Morn from People Puzzles and hope to see you again soon. Mm -hmm.